2021 saw Utah football finally get over the hump and win a Pac-12 championship and very nearly capture a Rose Bowl crown as well. What's in store for them in 2022? It should be a good amount of success. And today we look at each game on their schedule and predict the outcome. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. I appreciate all of you out there who have done so already. We are day three into what we are calling Spencer's final vacation of the summer before I am back uh, and live-ish full time. So I'm recording this well in advance. and. Those of you who watched or listened to uh, the last two episodes already know that. For those of you who are new, I don't have great internet connection right now. I was going to do these season breakdowns at some point, and I figured, you know what, let's just do them ahead of time and schedule them for when I am uh, not going to be able to do episodes quite as easily. If you're listening to that spiel for a second or a third time, thank you for being a recurring listener or viewer. Let's get into Utah's schedule. They open with a big game in the Pac-12. And, you know, yesterday... I mean, it's against an SEC opponent. But yesterday, I found uh, this to be just uh, worthy of note, that UCLA's schedule, if you didn't watch it, I think they're going to win 10 games this year because they have a favorable schedule. Utah and UCLA this year have the same over-under, according to our friends at BetOnline, proud sponsor here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Utah's over-under this year is 8.5. I think they will go over that. But the reason that those two are at the same win total, the same exact win total, down to half a game, is I think because UCLA schedule is much more favorable. I talked about that extensively yesterday on the show when I broke down the Bruins schedule. But I think Utah is overall the better team here. I think they'll have I think they have a higher ceiling as a team. However, I do think UCLA is going to beat them this year. Better team doesn't always win. So Utah's get Utah's season starts off with a big time game for the Pac-12, and does it feel a little less significant now that the Pac-12 is struggling to survive? Eh, maybe, a little, but for the next two years, we still have the Pac-12, so this sort of stuff still matters. And going on the road to play Florida in the swamp, there's no other way to look at that as a big-time opportunity. Even though Florida has got a new head coach after a 6-7 and seven season last year, they lost to UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl. So ended it with a group of five loss or a loss to a group of five school rather. And um, it's not uh, it's not peak Florida. It's not exactly the the Tim Tebow years down there in Gainesville this time of year. Still, uh, the last I checked, Utah was favored in that game. It's a big opportunity and it's not going to be easy. And, And this being in the first week, I think, makes it even tougher for Utah because You know, Florida doesn't get a warm-up game either, but those Florida fans with a new head coach, they're not going to be feeling down about their program. They're going to be sensing excitement and optimism and energy, and beating Utah in week one would be huge. It would be massive for Florida 
if they're able to beat Utah in this game. And it would set the tone for Billy Napier down there as he takes over uh, as the new head coach for the team that dons blue and orange for reasons I can't quite figure out, though somehow it works. I think Utah is going to win this game. And I, I say that because top to bottom, Utah is a better team. I, I mean, in Florida last year, got to 500 in the SEC, but that wasn't saying a ton. Utah, meanwhile, won the Pac-12 convincingly and went toe-to-toe with Ohio State. I don't think Florida, off of a 6-7 and seven season, is going to be able to make up that sort of ground. Is it going to be easy? No. I don't think Utah goes in there and just runs Florida out of the building. But I think Utah is going to be able to get this done. They've got more assurance and continuity at the quarterback position, whereas Florida was a revolving door last year. I don't even know who they're going with at quarterback this year. Maybe Anthony Richardson. I I don't know. They had Emory Jones and Richardson kind of going back and forth. It's just been uh, a little bit of of a mess for them for who their signal caller has been the last season or two. But Utah, you know Cam Rising is going to be there. You know Tavion Thomas will be there. I think Diabate, the uh, Utah transfer linebacker who comes over from Florida, might be playing with a little extra pep in his step there, going up against his former teammates. Maybe he'll make a big impact play, but a lot, lot of things to look for in that game on September 3rd. Just a huge, huge opportunity for Utah and for the conference as well, but I do think the Utes get it done. Then they come home for two more games, and unlike UCLA, they don't have the easiest non-conference slate in the world. Now, this next game is a bye game against Southern Utah. I will actually be uh, working the radio call for for that game, doing color commentary with Chris Holmes, the radio voice of uh, the Thunderbirds, if you didn't know. At the start of the show, when I tell you that I uh, broadcast Division One Athletics, Southern Utah is a school that I do that for primarily. So uh, we will be up there at Rice-Eccles Stadium. It'll be loud, it'll be popping, and Utah will blow the doors off of Southern Utah. This is not going to be an FCS upset, I can assure you. Uh, I would very much like to see the Thunderbirds improve from their 1-10 mark from a season ago. Uh, and they've got a new head coach, but it's going to take a little bit, and that is not going to be a uh, an NAU over Arizona win or Montana over Washington, anything of the sort. Don't expect that. And trust me, that that will that that will not happen, and that's okay, because that's how those games work, and that gets a lot of money to the Southern Utah Athletic Department. And that's just that's how that's why it's called a buy game, because Utah is paying Southern Utah for those of you who don't know to come up there so that they can beat them by 40 and sell out the stadium and put the game on Pac-12 Network and yada yada yada. Next week they're back home again, and you're going to notice a recurring theme here as it pertains to Utah's schedule. I can't pick against them at home. That home environment is awesome. It's really awesome. And I just don't see them losing a home this year. I like Utah a lot. I think they're going to get to the Pac-12 championship game and repeat as conference champions because I think they're most they're the most complete team that I trust the most, right? USC might have the most offensive skill talent, but do I trust their defense? Not at this point in time. But I trust Utah through and through. They've had some losses. Everybody has. But on the whole, they return a lot of talent. I like them a lot. After that game against Southern Utah, they'll be feeling good because it'll be a big win. I think they'll be 2-0. and And they'll come in and they will play San Diego State. Potential future conference opponent, San Diego State. We don't know, but it's possible. We've mentioned it more than a few times here on the show. That's a game that last year, Utah, on the road, lost in three overtimes. I mentioned a moment ago, Utah has a lot of returning players from last year's Pac-12 championship and Rose Bowl appearance team. 
that means those guys are going to remember that game. And when you lose, not just to a group of five school as a power five, but also a former uh, conference opponent, I believe. Not sure. There might have been crossover between San Diego State and Utah. I believe there was. But you beat a team from a conference that you left to go to a bigger one, or you lose to that team, rather, it stings a little extra. You lose in three overtimes. I bet there are players still thinking about that game as I record this and as you're listening to it, which uh, timeline-wise, a couple weeks apart, and that's okay. So I think Utah is going to come back here, and I, I think that's a revenge game. I, I think that's a revenge game for a lot of guys, including Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, and um, Brant Keithy, Dalton Kincaid, the tight ends who are studs, players on the defensive side of the ball. Like Those guys are going to come out motivated. They're going to hype up the guys who were not on the team last year, like Diabate, the Florida transfer at the linebacking position, say, hey, we're going to bring it every week, but you bring everything you got to this game because we're not going to lose that game. The other thing I refuse to do when I am on the golf course is go hungry, and that's why I stock up with Built Bars. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. Coconut brownie chunk built bar, the flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in hundred percent real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. They're good and they are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all delicious. Go to built.com. Use promo code lock 15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. Now we get into the conference slate, and unfortunately for the Utes, they start on the road, but in a slightly more favorable outcome with regards to their Pac-12 opponent schedule, that team is ASU. And I think ASU, I picked them yesterday to uh, upset UCLA for the second year in a row because that sort of stuff happens. We saw Stanford beat Oregon last year. We've seen teams lose to other schools that in theory they should not. I don't think this is going to happen here. I think Utah is the better overall team. That's not what we would call a hot take. I think that's a pretty obvious take, and I, I think that's one where the Utes are going to go in and, and get the better of ASU, and they'll be 4-0 going into a matchup with Oregon State, and they're at home. So two reasons that I think Utah beats Oregon State this year. Number one, they're at home. I will not pick against Utah at home this year. Really good college football teams are really tough to beat at home. It is a difficult thing. I think it's more important to be at home in football than in any other sport. I think basketball is a close second, but home field advantage plays a big, big factor in football. The betting markets tell you that, and I think that's part of the reason, again, going back to yesterday's show, why UCLA's over-under win total is 8.5, the same as Utah's. I think the Utes are a more well-rounded team. Though UCLA, I expect to be quite good and actually beat Utah here in 2022. But scheduling matters. That's why we're going through all these games to give you an idea of where everybody should stand or uh, where I think they'll stand anyway going into this year. But it's tough to beat a really good team at home. Oregon State beat them last year. So are you going to beat the reigning Pac-12 champions two years in in a row? I like what Jonathan Smith is doing so far. I think he's got the beefs trending up. I think they could be maybe an eight-win program this year. We'll get to them at some point here on these conference schedule breakdowns, or overall team schedule breakdowns, rather, because I'm doing the non-conference games. 
But this is another revenge game for Utah. That's reason number two that I really, really like them here is that's a team that you lost to that on the whole, you were better than, right? On that day, you weren't better than Oregon State. But on the whole, Utah was a better team than Oregon State last year. They weren't better on that one Saturday in Corvallis. The Beavs themselves were very tough at home. But Utah was the better team last year, and they lost. And I think this is a game, again, where you're going to have that revenge component, and I don't think you can undersell how how big that is for, for teams sometimes. So I think that gets them to 5-0 and going into an October 8th matchup at UCLA, where I th- at UCLA, where I think they will suffer their first loss of the year. I talked about it yesterday, so I won't go in too much depth, but... I think UCLA has got enough. If the, Again, if this game were in Salt Lake City, I'm taking the Utes all day long. But this is down in L.A. at the Rose Bowl. I think the Bruins, with a very favorable schedule, could be rolling. Their offense will be in a really good rhythm. They'll go up against a much tougher defense in Utah. But one advantage, and those of you who listened yesterday know this, but not everybody listens every day, so I'll just kind of sum up here. One advantage Utah has in a lot of these games is they have – a somewhat veteran and reliable quarterback, right? Cam Rising, I believe, has only been a starter for just, you know, most of last year and whatnot, but I know what I'm going to get from him. He's just that kind of player. And other teams in the Pac-12 and elsewhere in the country, you have question marks at quarterback position. But UCLA, I don't have that. I know what DTR is. He's gotten better every single year that he's been with Chip Kelly, so this could be the best form of him, and I think that, you know, that veteran quarterback presence advantage is neutralized here against the Bruins and I think this is the year they finally break through against Utah they've done very well in the transfer portal and they have a lot of returning talent as well offensive studs uh, Ezekiel the tight end is named to the preseason watch list for the best tight end in the country replacing uh, Greg Dulcich I just blanked on his name right there they added Jake Bobo to replace the loss of uh, Kyle Phillips as a potential number one receiver You've got Kaz Allen, who is explosive as a playmaker and in the return game. And then you've got Zach Charbonnet to run the ball behind what should be, once again, a solid offensive line. So I'll take the Bruins there. I think Utah falls, and they fall to, and they drop to 5-1. and one. They go back home next week against USC. That is a tough. In the Pac-12, I know in the grand scheme of things, because some of you might say, oh, it's not that tough, it's Pac-12. Yeah, well, okay. In this conference... It's tough to find a three-game stretch more difficult. At least two of them are home. But Oregon State, a team potentially on the rise, at UCLA and then USC at home. Brutal three games there for Utah. I think they'll go two and one in that stretch. My predictions, obviously, as I mentioned, are Oregon State uh, is a win. UCLA is a loss. And then USC, I think, again, will be a win. But if there's a mismatch there, if it's beating UCLA and losing to USC... I wouldn't be that surprised either. So I, I think that that is uh, a win there against the Trojans because they're the better team. I mean, it, talk about a showdown in the Pac-12. Uh, I think the Utes' experience and and continuity and home field advantage is going to serve them very well in this game because, you know, Utah fans show up really, really well in Salt Lake City. But you know that USC game with Lincoln Riley, phew, got a big circle around it. For the Utes fans, that's the one where the season ticket holders are double checking. Hey, I'm not getting blacked out of that game, right? Like I got my my, my tickets are there. They better be because I want to see USC and that's going to be a big, big time game. Uh, here's where people will probably start 
to disagree with me a little bit. Um, after that win against USC, which I think will be a big emotional win, be a big game. I think the Utes are going to have an, a letdown the following week when they go on the road at Washington State. And I think they're going to fall for the second and final time in the regular season. I think their losses are October 8th at UCLA and October 27th at Wazoo. And then, much like they did last year, I think they they finish very strong because they have uh, a very favorable final four games. They kind of have the... The tougher part of their schedule is the first half of the conference slate. The second half, aside from Oregon, is uh, definitely on on the weaker side. But Washington State's just not a team you can sleep by. And I know Utah is the better team. They're deeper. They've recruited better. I think they're more well-rounded. But the Cougars could be sneaky nice this year. I don't know if it's even sneaky at this point in time. They had Cam Ward, who grades as a very... Highly respected transfer coming from the FCS level where he put up absurd, absolutely absurd statistics. The only question I have about Wazoo is how does he make that jump? FCS to FBS, I've seen both levels in person. There's a difference. There's a gap. Doesn't mean it can't you can't make the jump, right? It's happened several times over the years. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is there's an adjustment there. And if he's able to make that and play close to what his potential is, Wazoo is a team that nobody will want to play. And I think that this game on the road will cause Utah just enough problems with a Washington State defense that has been getting better and better since Jake Dickert arrived. First as defensive coordinator, now as the head coach. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Eric Morris, who was Cam Ward's head coach at Incarnate Ward at the FCS level. So he's got that continuity there with his head coach and play caller. I think that is really important from him as he moves from the FCS to the FBS level. And I think Wazoo is going to pull that one out. Okay, rounding out Utah's schedule here, a lot of wins. In fact, all wins coming down the stretch. You got Arizona at home. I think that's a win. Again, Arizona year or two away, but trending in the right direction, no doubt. Wildcats are trending in the correct direction, but that's a win, so let's go next. November 12th against Stanford. Again, this is at home. I think you've got the better roster, though Stanford's is more comparable than you would think. If you look at their recruiting classes, they've been pretty solid the last couple of years, but Utah's just returning so much talent from that Pac-12 championship team. I think you've got the better quarterback in this game. Maybe not the better pro prospect at the quarterback position because scouts seem to like Tanner McKee more than they like Cam Rising, and I I guess I understand that. But at the college level, I'm taking Cam Rising all day long. And though I think Stanford will have a semi-resurgent year, I don't think they'll be all the way back to what they were before. And this is at home. I'm not picking against Utah at home. Uh, that's their. That's going to be their senior night there on November 12th. Their final two games of the year on the road. So I think they. I, I think they get that win against Stanford, no problem. Though two teams. Interesting thing about that matchup, Utah and Stanford. You've got two teams who stylistically are very, very similar. I think Utah spreads it out and can be a little more explosive, but both teams really want to run the football be physical, dominate the line of scrimmage, and will go under center plenty. I think Stanford a little more so than uh, than Utah does, but the Utes snap it from under center pretty darn often. 
and, and both teams love the power run game. So fascinating uh, matchup of styles there, kind of who can be more effective in that particular ideology to win a football game. I'll take Utah at home with Kyle Whittingham. Last two games are at Oregon on November 19th, at Colorado, November 26th. Uh, let's go to Colorado first and why that's going to be an easy win, because they're going to be better in all three facets of the game. All right, good talk. November 19th at Oregon. The question that, that's going to decide this game is compared to the matchups that Utah and Oregon had last year when the Utes trounced the Ducks twice in like three weeks, is are Dan Lanning as a head coach and Bo Nix as the quarterback enough of an upgrade over Mario Cristobal, who did a lot of really good things and is a good head football coach, but schematically can leave a lot to be desired sometimes. He has a lot of strengths. I think there's a generalized narrative out there that Mario Cristobal is a terrible coach. He is not. He's a great culture guy. He's a great offensive line coach. He's a great recruiter. That'll get you a long way in college football. I think Pac-12 fans should know that. Like, I think I think they do know that. I mean, the guy won one and a half Pac-12 championships and won plenty of games in the conference. But... Oregon winning that game is dependent upon Lanning being sharper on Saturday than Mario Cristobal was because Whittingham just mopped the floor with him last year. I mean, it was a complete mismatch. So is that staff going to improve that facet? And then Anthony Brown had a clear ceiling. And in the Pac-12 championship game in particular, he was pretty horrible. He threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen on a football field at any level at the end of the first half of that championship game. I was there. My buddy and I got up to go get drinks before halftime had actually begun and everybody had left their seats. And we assumed the half was just over. We looked up and he threw an interception. It was absolutely absurd. So the question then becomes, and Bo Nix has had his flaws in low moments, but some high moments as well as a quarterback in his college football career. Can Lanning and Nix be an upgrade over Cristobal and Brown? Because that is where you had the biggest mismatch a season ago. Schematically at the head coaching position and at the quarterback position. Cam Rising was way better than than Anthony Brown. And Kyle Whittingham outcoached Mario Cristobal. It's something that could happen. But I think that's asking a lot. Because you have to make up a lot of ground there in one year for a new quarterback and a new coach. I don't think it's impossible, but I'm not going to predict that. I think this is the one game Oregon loses at Autzen Stadium this year. And I think uh, Utah goes in there and gets the win again. I think it's a more competitive game because Dan Lanning schematically on defense, I know that he and Tosh Lupoy will be better than what Tim DeRoyter was a season ago for Oregon, where statistically they were not very good on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't think that that's going to be enough to account for you know, what we saw on the field twice in a couple weeks last year. So I'll take the Utes to go into Eugene and do what has been a very difficult thing to do over the past decade or so, and that's win at Autzen Stadium. It's doable. Utah has done it before, but it is not an easy thing to do. I think the Utes get it done. That leaves them after the regular season at 10-2. and I've got them 7-2 and in conference play with losses at UCLA and at Washington State. Tied for first with the Bruins in the Pac-12 South and going back 
to the Pac-12 championship game where I think they will win and repeat as champs. That's my prediction. Utes 2022. Let me know what you think in the YouTube comments, whether I'm crazy or not. And we'll, I, gosh, I can't wait to see how this all plays out. I can not wait. College football is near. Grand and glorious time. We will be there together, friends. Appreciate everybody listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.